You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to Scott Engel and George Kurtz for uh, filling in for me yesterday. I was en route back from uh, New York, heading back here uh, out to Montana. Uh, Now that I was uh, done with Tout Wars weekend, I'm going to be talking a lot about that. But I know uh, that uh, Scott and George did a great job recapping the uh, mixed auction from Tout Wars. Went through a lot of the team rosters. If uh, you missed yesterday's show, definitely go back and check that one out. But I'll be uh, following up on some of the things that they talked about. And uh, unfortunately, we've got uh, big injury news to discuss here. Justin Turner going to be out for a while. Uh, We also have a whole slew of uh, demotions for big-name prospects, most of them not very surprising, but uh, irritating for us fantasy owners nonetheless. And uh, some position battles to update you on, all kinds of stuff to get to. So uh, let's get on with it. Uh, Justin Turner, uh, in a game yesterday, was uh, hit on his wrist by a pitch by uh, Kendall Graveman, uh, had it uh, x-rayed and revealed that uh, that left wrist is broken. Uh, Turner went to see doctor today. So the good news that mitigates the bad news a little bit is that he is not anticipating needing any surgery on it. So the initial estimates for Turner really based on other players who have broken their wrists, uh, that they figured he'd be out six to nine weeks. Now uh, he's going to have uh, the wrist in a a, a splint for a few days, and then he'll be able to begin some range of motion activities. So I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe we're looking at the low end, if he can, uh, you know, basically if he can possibly beat that six week estimate, but I think if you're a Justin Turner owner, you got to figure that you're not going to have him back until I would think sometime in May. But I know that we'll we'll get uh, you know more updates on that situation, uh, you know, as he goes through those uh, range of motion activities and and uh, begins to to progress. But uh, so some oddly good news after the shockingly bad news for uh, Justin Turner. And then, of course, there's a whole bunch of collateral impact with this injury. Logan Forsythe looked like he was pretty well set up for regular play at second base as it was. Now uh, you figure he's the the main option for the Dodgers at third base. And then what gets interesting is what they'll do at second base. And Dodgers have lots of options there. I would expect we'll see Chris Taylor there mostly. But they do have Enrique Hernandez. Austin Barnes also, don't forget, can play some second base. So that maybe helps his value just a little tiny bit. And again, I wouldn't go overboard with Austin Barnes uh, based on this news because, again, I would anticipate Chris Taylor probably will get the bulk of the playing time there. But um, and, and it's also, again, not for the whole season. Worst case scenario, it's, it's probably for two months. Uh, but then with Chris, with Chris Taylor arguably going to be getting most of the starts at second base. And again, we don't know this yet, but that just seems to be the most logical move. 
then you're looking at the outfield situation uh, where you're, you're probably going to see the biggest impact. And what uh, I've been talking about here in recent shows is the position battle in left field, which is mainly centered on Jock Peterson and Andrew Tolles. Both of them could play center field. So you, there may be room in the lineup for both of them. Um, or maybe uh, this is a way that Alex Verdugo can get a little bit of playing time. I'm not too sure. I'm certainly not uh, raising him in my rankings just yet based on that you know, speculation of some playing time early on in the season. And, you know, again, speaking of Verdugo and, uh, you know, whether or not he could make the opening day roster, whole bunch of big-name prospects who we figured probably weren't going to be on the opening day roster. But of all the, the big, big names, the one that, you know, it was reasonable to hope for uh, that he would be right there on opening day is Ronald Acuna. And he was sent down yesterday on Monday. So uh, he's not going to be on the opening day roster. Uh, This is widely presumed to be a service time issue, which means we could see him up within maybe even as as soon as a couple of weeks. I don't think for all the really the moaning and groaning that I've seen online about this, I don't think this is going to have a big impact on his value. And of course, if he's not up till, let's say, May, yeah, then that's. That's a bummer, and that that does drop his value a bit. But if he's only down for you know two and a half, three weeks, you know, you, you I think you can, you can definitely work around that. Now, uh, some other players, uh, actually one other that, based on recent reports, it seemed like he would be up at the beginning of the season, Sandy Alcantara, and Marlon sent him down today. So he's not going to be a part of that uh, five-man rotation to begin the season. Of course, that's really a pretty wide-open uh, competition. Looks like a Drisselberg Despagne, who's pitching a very nice game today against the Nationals. I think he has probably earned a spot. I, I would think that's safe to assume. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a number of, of uh, other uh, players there. Um, Jacob Turner. um and I apologize for for drawing some blanks here, um, but again, not not anybody that you're really, you know, necessarily targeting outside of a, a deep NL only league. But uh, Alcantara, again, I, I would I would view it the same for him as with Acuna. That I I would expect Alcantara would, would be up fairly soon. It's had a very impressive spring. This this to me looks like a service time issue. I haven't seen any report to that, and frankly, the team's probably not going to say so publicly anyway. But uh, he's uh, been sent down. So is Victor Robles. That's not too surprising. I mean, there, he has not had a great spring, and he was on the outside looking in anyway because you had to figure that unless Michael Taylor had a horrible spring, that he was going to be in that starting outfield for the for the Nationals. So Robles will go go to AAA Syracuse, get a little bit more time. I still figure he's going to be up at some point. And barring really a bad start to the year, I would think we'd see Robles up maybe by June, if not sooner. Nick Senzel uh, sent down by the Reds. Um, Again, I don't think he's going to be down for long, and I also don't think it's too surprising that uh, he was sent down. And uh, Michael Kopech also sent down. I didn't think there was any chance. I didn't see any reports indicating that he was going to be up with the White Sox to start the year. So not too surprising, but by the same token, 
not really big roadblocks in the the White Sox rotation to keep Kopech down uh, as long as he pitches well in the minors. So all those folks in the last really 24 hours or so have been demoted. I expect all of them to be up probably within the first two months, uh, particularly Acuna, uh, Senzel, and and Alcantara. Subway, we are definitely not going to see until uh, July as Jorge Polanco. This is not really news, but since uh, I have not been on the air since Friday, it's it's, uh, news to me on the show. So uh, with Polanco, he's got an 80-game PED suspension. So I would uh, presume he'll be the twin starting uh, shortstop when he is ready to return. But in the meantime, I think we'll mostly see Eduardo Escobar. Um, I think he's going to get the the bulk of the playing time there. The A's have uh, made uh, recently a couple of signings. One just shortly right before we uh, are going on air here that take us uh, back in time a little bit. You remember when Brett Anderson and Trevor Cahill were – the young up-and-comers for the A's, going to be the the next generation of uh, great pitchers for the A's. Well, of course, they've uh, you know had uh, careers that have taken them other places. Uh, both have dealt with uh, injury and inconsistency. And both are back with the A's now. Uh, Brett Anderson signing just a, a little bit before the show today on a minor league deal. Trevor Cahill signed to a one-year major league deal with the uh, A's, and according to MLB.com, he is being brought on for pitching depth. So he's going to need some time probably to you know uh, work up uh, his innings a bit. Uh, I don't think he's going to enter into that rotation picture, uh, picture or pitcher for opening day. So I would presume the same thing is, is likely to be true for Anderson, but I haven't read anything or heard anything exactly about what the A's plans are for, uh, for Brett Anderson. But Trevor Cahill... Maybe later on the season, uh, again, not not major roadblocks there, especially now with Jarrell Cotton uh, out for the year, having had Tommy John surgery. Looks like there might be a nice opportunity there for Cahill to work his way back into a, a rotation spot at uh, some juncture this year. I've been updating you pretty regularly on that Rockies first base outfield situation. According to the Denver Post, it looks like we have an, uh, a pretty strong idea of what's going to happen there. And for those of us who have drafted Ryan McMahon, it's not great news. Uh, According to the Denver Post, McMahon is expected to start the year at AAA. Ian Desmond will be at least to start the year, the team's uh, regular first baseman. And so that would uh, provide uh, Gerardo Parra a chance. Uh, I think he would be the most likely to earn uh, regular playing time alongside Charlie Blackman and Carlos Gonzalez. So that situation clarifying itself. We also have some rotation situations that are getting a little bit clearer. The Blue Jays have uh, announced their rotation. This according to Sportsnet. J-Hap's going to be their opening day starter. So, of course, that would have been Marcus Stroman if uh, not for a shoulder issue. But the you know the way I saw this reported was that J-Hap was going to be the uh, opening day starter, but that really bears the lead. Marcus Stroman is part of the uh, opening day or the you know the opening week ro- rotation. So it's going to go Hap, Aaron Sanchez, Marco Estrada, then Stroman getting the fourth start, Jaime Garcia getting the fifth start. So uh, that would appear not even on a temporary basis that we're going to see Joe Biagini in the uh, rotation. 
He's clearly the next option. That's how the, the Blue Jays have been uh, preparing him. But uh, if, if Biagini's going to get starts, it's it's going to be later in the year. So good news for Marcus Stroman. So if you're still drafting, that's an encouraging sign. If you have drafted him, uh, you should be able to uh, you know get him in your rotation uh, pretty uh, pretty much right away. I got to look at the the Blue Jays schedule because that fourth game, maybe that's a week two game if you're playing the short week one as a uh, a separate week. So that's uh, something. I will certainly look into something you should look into if you are a Stroman owner. Uh, the Diamondbacks have not solidified their rotation yet, but it looks like, uh, as of right now, that Zach Granke is going to be lined up to start their third game. So again, some pretty good news there for Zach Granke because it looked like maybe he wasn't going to be ready uh, for the beginning of the season. That, according to uh, ArizonaCentral.com. The Marlins may have to make some adjustments uh, to their plans. And again, the, the back of the rotation is still pretty much up for grabs. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we know that uh, Sandy Alcantara is not going to be an initial part of that rotation. Uh, pretty much at this point, all we do know is that Jose Ureña is going to be the opening day starter. It was presumed Dan Straley was going to start the second game for the Marlins. He now has a slight elbow strain, as uh, initially reported by Sirius XM's Craig Mish. So it hasn't been ruled out that Straley can start that uh, second game for the Marlins. And even if that were not the case, could just be pushed back a little bit. But what we do know, according to MLB.com, is that Straley is not going to throw it all for the next four or five days. So um, I uh, drafted Straley uh, in, in, my Tout Wars, uh, in the Tout Wars uh, auction this past weekend. I've got a lot of shares of Straley. Um, I've talked a bit on this show about how I do like him. As a late round flyer, should you know give you uh, innings uh, and a decent number of strikeouts with uh, ratios that, uh, in fact, maybe even a pretty good whip. So uh, this reportedly is not a, a major elbow injury, uh, injury for Straley, but uh, th- this, if I were drafting now, and I've got one draft left, I uh, have to admit uh, I'm probably going to look elsewhere uh, until I get an update on uh, on Dan Straley. Uh, the Reds rotation, that one's been largely up for grabs. Um, you know, other than uh, Homer Bailey and um, uh, Luis Castillo at the top of the rotation. But uh, now, according to MLB.com, Tyler Maley and Sal Romano have the inside track on the third, third and fourth spots in the rotation. Romano's had, a, in particular, both have had nice springs. Romano, in particular, has had a really impressive spring. As far as that fifth spot goes, Robert Stevenson's still in the mix, but Amir Garrett has had a very nice spring. And according to that same MLB.com report, he is making a, uh, a good case for getting that fifth spot. So up for grabs for right now. And, and officially the third and fourth spots are too, but looks like Tyler Maley and Sal Romano are going to have rotation spots. Uh, as for the Washington Nationals, you've got a battle going on between A.J. Cole and Jeremy Hullickson. Uh And according to the Washington Post, looks like A.J. Cole, uh, mostly just because of being ahead of, of Hullickson in terms of preparation, uh, looks like A.J. Cole has got the advantage there in, uh, in that battle. Uh, contrary to some earlier reports that I saw, according to MLB.com, Ariel Miranda is the front runner to be the Mariners' fifth starter over Rob Whalen, who was recently optioned 
But uh, again, he could also be called back up before the Mariners need uh, a fifth starter. So there's really a lot of news. Uh, I've really uh, barely uh, scratched the surface here. I've got uh, some items on uh, J.D. Martinez and and how Alex Cora wants to use him. Uh, Blake Swihart update. uh, Mark Leiter update. Brad Miller. All kinds of stuff. But uh, I got ahead to break already, if you can imagine that. So uh, I will uh, get to all that after the break. But um, also, I'm going to get to my review of the Tout Wars auction. And uh, I should say auctions, plural. Because uh, I'm going to look at the mixed uh, auction that I took part in. got the AL, the NL. You had had the head auction. I'll look at all of those. But I won't be doing it until after this break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fancy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And uh, as promised, I've got some uh, injury updates, some playing time type updates. I've got a Tout Wars review coming up, looking at all of the Tout Wars uh, auctions. And before I get to any of that, time for my daily reminder to uh, urge you to go check out Fantrax.com. You can create the ultimate dynasty, keeper, or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options right at your fingertips, and all of them are fully customizable. With Fantrax Treasurer, you can set the league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party so that you don't have to go track down owners for payment. And when you do sign up for a Fantrax league, uh, remember my reminder here, you've got a little box at the bottom of the registration form for a promo code, and you can put what is, I'm going to guess, possibly the shortest promo code in promo code history. It's Al. My name, Al, A-L. That's it. Just type Al in the promo code box uh, at sign up for a chance to win 10 private consultations with me. I sell, sell these uh, private consultation packages on uh, almelkier.com. There it will cost you $109. If you uh, win the drawing, you get those 10 consultations for free, but you can't win the drawing if you're not in the drawing and you can't be in the drawing unless you enter the promo code AL at Fantrax when you sign up for a league there. So go and find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports. Check out Fantrax.com today. So uh, moments after I drafted Mark Leiter in the BP Kings score sheet league, 
building some nice uh, relief depth there in that league, or at least trying to. I saw the news that uh, he was experiencing some right forearm tightness and was going to go see the doctor. And I have an update uh, from within the last uh, hour or so. Actually, this is from uh, Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philadelphia that uh, he had an MRI, uh, lighter did, and it shows a mild flexor strain. He's going to be completely shut down for two to three weeks, but also it says that lighter expects he should be all the way back by late April or early May. So basically figure lighter's going to miss the first month of the season. So for me, not a totally lost draft pick there. Uh, I do think it's going to be a lost cause though for lighter uh, possibly getting in the rotation because he was a part of that mix uh, the spring for one of those back-end rotation spots. Uh, so that uh, that quest is now over for uh, Mark Leiter Jr. According to the Boston Herald, J.D. Martinez is going to play some outfield, not just going to strictly be a DH. Uh, Red Sox manager Alex Cora wants to use Martinez to give the other outfielders rest, and that's also going to enable him to uh, get Mitch Moreland a little bit of extra time at first base. So, uh, you know, basically that Moreland-Ramirez combo at first base, part of the way Cora is going to work that out is by giving some of the outfielders rest and, uh, you know, getting, I would assume it'd be probably Henley Ramirez spending a little bit more time at DH when uh, Martinez is playing the outfield. Also in some Red Sox news, according to NBC Sports Boston, that uh, the team is leaning towards keeping Blake Swihart on the 25-man roster as a utility player. So that uh, does not bode particularly well for Brock Holt, uh, who has filled that role for the last several years. Uh, Swihart, I would think, certainly doesn't have quite the versatility that Holt does, but he's having a, a nice spring with the bat. And, of course, he's got uh, that, that catcher eligibility and, and would give Alex Cora uh, the third option to catcher as well. So... Uh, Blake Swarhart looking uh, like a, a deep catcher option there. Uh, getting to some Rays news here. According to MLB.com, Kevin Cash, Rays manager, is saying that Brad Miller is not going to play second base again for the remainder of spring training. That doesn't mean that he's not going to be used at second base during the season. So maybe that means that uh, he's going to cut into some playing time for C.J. Crone to first base. I don't really know. I'm just trying to think, how does Brad Miller get used if he's not playing second base? And again, just to reiterate, Kevin Cash said that he will play some second base, or at least he may play some second base during the regular season. But the other piece of this puzzle is that Joey Wendell's having a heck of a spring. He's 12 for 34. That's a 353 batting average. So that may uh, play into this story a little bit. Uh, Andrew Heaney is going to miss his next scheduled start due to left elbow inflammation. Uh, this, according, this is a uh, statement from the Angels on Twitter, the Angels organization, not just random Angels. Uh, Heaney underwent an MRI. It ruled out ligament damage, and he will be cleared to throw once uh, the inflammation subsides. So again, that from the... Los Angeles Angels account on Twitter. From the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the Indians uh, scratched uh, Bradley Zimmer from the lineup against the Giants on Monday because of a mild left groin strain. And finally, 
Uh, the Tigers' top prospect, Franklin Perez, he suffered a right lat strain, and he is expected to miss the next 12 weeks. Of course, he wasn't going to start the season with the Tigers, but he is their top prospect. And uh, so that uh, may uh, slow his timetable down just a bit. All right, well, I got a lot to say about Tout Wars, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. Uh, before I do, though, just a quick note here about Fantasy Factor, which is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Fantasy Factor has flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single-entry contests only. Fantasy Factor always has fun contests going on. Uh, right now, there's free entry. March, uh, there's a March Madness bracket, a Sweet 16 bracket, and Fancy Factor is running a $100,000 home run derby this year. Simply sign up and enter at www.fantasyfactor.com. So I had a fantastic time at Tot Wars. I know uh, Scott and George told you all about it on yesterday's show when they were filling in for me. Uh, a lot of the Tout participants in all the different leagues, uh, they're writing up their their summaries. Uh, so go on Twitter, find your favorite analyst, check it out. Uh, a lot of great analysis that I've seen already. Uh, I will be writing a piece tomorrow that will go live on Fantrax on Thursday. So I do urge you to re, uh, read that. You know, uh, definitely set your, your calendar alert to, to check that out. I'll remind you again. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll uh, go into at least a little bit of detail uh, on my team and, and my process. Uh, but I also, you know, because I, I, I'll be talking about it also on tomorrow's show with, with Fred Zinke, who's also a part of the Mixed League Auction. Um, I, I want to put the most of the focus on today's show on looking sort of broader at what what prices were like in the bidding, uh, not only the Mixed Auction, but also take a look at the NL, the AL, uh, the head-to-head points. Because uh, there's some real uh, interesting things that happen there. So, oh, and I should mention, in case you hadn't heard this uh, elsewhere, it was really cool. For the first time, we uh, held the auctions at the Staten Island Yankee Stadium, uh, right there by the Staten Island Ferry. Very cool venue. We uh, did the auction in the uh, in the dressing room. There's uh, turns out there's a a mascot, or I shouldn't say the locker room, but there's a mascot dressing room adjacent to the locker room, which was kind of cool. Gets a little you know, mascot head in there. Um, but it was a terrific time, terrific setting. We all got our own lockers. Uh, turns, I didn't know it, but there's actually a batting cage uh, that was open there, and some of the Tout Warriors went and took their hacks. It's probably good I didn't know about it because I would have done absolutely nothing but embarrass myself in that. <laughs> but it was just a very fun day, cool setting. Uh, as for the auction itself, uh, if, you, if you've been listening to the show, you probably get a sense. I mean, I don't go in with a firm idea about which players I'm going to get, um, you know, what positions I'm going to uh, prioritize, anything like that, because I that's just not how I do it. I, I go round by round, or in this case, you know, bid by bid, uh, look at the landscape, look at how uh, the tiers are, are emptying out, look at where there's values. And basically... My, my strategy was was those two those two prongs. Try don't don't, don't overbid uh, on on uh, too far above and beyond the prices that I've set for players. I'm not super rigid on that. And what I have found based on past years of being in Tout Wars, this is my sixth year, is that 
Um, it, it pays to be a little bit aggressive with the top, top players because they go quickly and then, you know, you find yourself, you've got all kinds of money and, and the money that you have to spend are on, you know, sort of mid-range and mediocre options. So I didn't mind going an extra dollar or two on, on some of the best players and particularly, and this is where the second prong comes in. So basically look for value, try to, whenever is possible, keep the bidding to under uh, my, my prices. But then the second prong is keep track of the tiers and where there is relative surplus and scarcity in the, in the positional tiers. And almost to, you know, to a, a player, uh, I, I followed this. I, I was was pretty disciplined. I made one exception that I'll, I'll get to and I'll tell you about, and I'm not really happy about it. <laughs> but you know, the mis- mistakes get made. I yeah, pretty much make a mistake in every auction I do. And and you know, to to be fair, uh, my uh, you know colleagues, uh, you know they'll they'll say they'll they'll make you know they make mistakes too. It's it's a long you know it's a long day uh, with a lot of things to keep track of. So mistakes are probably going to happen. I made one mistake that I do do regret. But one one of the things I didn't plan on, and I don't know that it was a mistake, but it's certainly nothing I aim to do. I spent a ton on pitching. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with spending 35% on pitching, although you know 70-30 is usually what folks aim for, maybe 67-33. I'm, I'm okay with 65-35. I went 55-45. I spent 45% of my budget. On pitching, and that it's related to the the mistake that I made. Um, but you know that said, I mean I, I can always rectify that by a trade. You know I I, I kind of like, I like the roster as it is. Um, but that was definitely I think it's the most pitching heavy team I've ever had. It's certainly the most aggressive I've ever been in bidding, because again learning that lesson that if you wait too long to bid on the elite players. You are going to have to have a bunch of players that are just sort of in the mid-range, and, and can you do that and compete with uh, the teams that do have a, a few studs on them? So I I spent very quickly, much more so than I have in any other auction, not just Tout Wars auctions, but any other auction, period. Uh, so my team, and again, I'm going to try to do this quickly here because I want to really focus on the, the auction at large. I waited on catcher and longer than I wanted to because then when we got to the end game and I was throwing out dollar catchers and people kept on putting down the hammer on them. So I wound up with pretty much my last choices of Alex Avila and Christian Vasquez. And I don't mind having Avila. I would have been actually super happy to have Avila as my number two catcher. But I would have liked to have had uh, one of the, the, the better catchers. Uh, in terms of first base, now on the draft grid, if you go to toutwars.com and you look at the uh, the auction grid, you'll see Joe Mauer's my first baseman. And in reality, it's uh, it's going to be uh, Reese Hoskins, who I got for $29. But he's in an outfield spot for right now. Uh, I got Manny Machado as my third baseman. He's not really my third baseman. He's going to be my shortstop when he gains eligibility. Kyle Seeger, who's currently in the corner infield slot will be the uh, third baseman. I got Machado at 31, Seager at 14. I got Huskins at 29. Jonathan VR, he's going to be my second baseman, and I 
waited on second base. I just didn't like the values. I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And it got to a point pretty late in the auction where my roster was clearly missing, had three big holes. I had no catchers. I had no second baseman. I had almost no steals. So at least I, I was able to take care of the second and the third gaps with one player. And so I, I knew Jonathan VR was out there, and I just hoped that he that he was not going to get nominated, that other people were just going to spend and spend and spend. And I sat there and waited because I I had some you know outfield spots to fill at the back end. I had the catchers to fill. Um, I had some pitching spots in the back end to fill, but I knew they were all going to be pretty much one and two dollar uh, expenditures. So my my strategy at that point was I just sat there and sat on my hands and did nothing and waited for Jonathan VR to get nominated. And fortunately for me, I waited a very long time. And then VR finally got nominated. I had a max bid of seven at that point. I was willing to go all out, go a dollar on everybody else at that point. And I won Jonathan VR for five dollars. Now all I have to do is wait for him to win the second base job at the Brewers because he hasn't officially done that yet. He's still competing with um, – uh, oh, shoot. I know. You 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 know who uh, – oh, Eric Sogard. Because I just want to say, you know, the guy who, who has the nerd power hashtag with uh, Eric Sogard. Uh, sorry. Uh, my shortstop uh, nominally is Glaber Torres, but, of course, he's going to AAA. So I've got Cattell Marte for a dollar. He's going to slide into that shortstop spot. And then in the reserve rounds, I got Logan Forsyth to fill the middle infield spot. My outfield is Aaron Judge. Nominally, I've got Reese Hoskins there. He's going to be my first baseman, though. So really, the outfield is Aaron Judge, who I got at 39. Domingo Santana at 14. Derek Fisher, Andrew Tolls, And then in the reserve rounds, I got Denard Span. That'll most likely be the uh, opening day outfield for my uh for my roster. And I know I'm running short on time. I may not get to the rest of this roster. In fact, I won't. So uh, I'll just mention I got Mitch Moreland for a buck. He's in my utility slot. I'll fill you out on the pitching staff that I spent so much money on. And I'll do it right after this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And I'm going to roll on with my Tut Wars review. Uh, before I do, just a little message here about DailyRoad.com. Dominate DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with Daily Roto's MLB Projections and Optimizer. Go to DailyRoto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY. 
to use all the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner Drew Dickmeyer uses. And tools just don't, don't just work for football. This is the very same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live final finish. So head over to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY, and see the results for yourself. So I'm going to start my reveal of my Tout Wars pitching staff at the back end because I just during the break saw this tweet from Bernie Pleskoff. Uh, and to uh, just clue you in, this is about Alex Claudio, who I got with uh, $2. I actually, for as much as I spent early on in the auction, I was the last one with the $2 hammer. I wanted a, I wanted a second reliever. I only had one reliever at that point. I used it on Claudio, uh, but this is not really terrific news. And look, I know I talked earlier on the show uh, about a week or two ago about how uh, the, the closer's role was up for grabs, but from Pleskoff, uh, who closes for the Rangers? Manager Jeff Bannister gave no clue today. Uh, Texas writers I spoke with have no clue either. Something Claudio's the best fit, uh, but Bannister would like him to get out of jams in earlier innings. Stay tuned. It could be several different pitchers. So that sure sounds like Jeff Bannister's leaning towards a committee situation. I still think that's one where Claudio could emerge uh, as uh you know, a primary, if not sole closer for Texas. Uh, this was a case where, frankly, partly desperation because I missed the boat on uh, all the closers who had any kind of, you know, stability. But I, I do like the Claudio skill set. And, yeah, I know, very little uh, in the way of strikeouts from Claudio. But if it saves that you want, somebody who just gets the job done, uh, Claudio, who just in- induces a lot of grounders, a lot of soft contact, he could be really good at that, just like he was last year. So, but... Maybe a closer by committee for the Rangers uh, per that Bernie Pleskoff tweet. So, yeah, I uh, rounded out my pitching staff with Claudio. And the first first player I uh, bid on, the first player I won, uh, was Kenley Jansen. I got him for $25. I, I basically uh, set the stage for the closer market. And he did uh, go for $3 more than uh, either Craig Kimbrell or Roberto Ozuna, but um, that was a, a conscious choice on my part. And, and I, I think I've talked about it quite a bit here on the show that I think that he and Kimbrell are really in a class by themselves. And I really think that Kimbrell is sort of separated even, or uh, Jansen is separated from Kimbrell because there's just nobody who's been as good, as dominant as, as Jansen has been for as many years. So I was willing to spend... Uh, that, that was actually my price was $25. Uh, I probably would have gone to 27 if I had to, but, um, that set the stage for a lot of, uh, spending on pitching. I got Corey Kluber at 39, uh, sale Scherzer and Kershaw had all gone. I nearly got sale, got outbid by a dollar on sale. Uh, so I just was pretty much set to get Kluber. Uh, especially if I could get him under 40, and I just barely did at 39. Uh, next picture I got was Rich Hill at 14. I figure, okay, here's the risky guy I could take. I've talked about avoiding those risky third-tier pitchers, but for, at the price of $14, I felt pretty good about that. Here's where I went off script. I have talked about how I don't really get Justin Verlander's ADP, 
I think people are putting too much faith in him. I got Justin Verlander, naturally, at $26. And in retrospect, at the time, I actually, you know, I, I thought this is all right. You know, this is this is decent value. But looking back at the prices of pitchers, and pretty much I could see this pretty shortly thereafter when I think it was the very next starter that was nominated was Luis Severino, and he went for 27 And I would much rather have a $27 Luis Severino than a $26 Justin Verlander. But then going back and really looking at it, it was sort of a panic bid because uh, Noah Syndergaard had gone for 35 not too long before that. And uh, you know, it just seemed like people were bidding really aggressively. And I just thought, well, in this market, $26 Verlander is is going to be uh, you know, a, a good relative value. And I, you know, if I have a regret, uh, it's that. So uh, there, I, I started off with Kluber, Hill, and Verlander, Lance McCullers. Then I got at uh, $9. And again, that was a little bit off script too because I thought, Rich Hill was going to be my one sort of risky guy, but how could I pass up on a $9 Lance McCullers? I just thought that that was really good value. And then uh, finished up with Dan Straley, who I talked about earlier, who's hurt, Brandon McCarthy for a dollar, and an injured Luis Gohara for a dollar. So that's the pitching staff. Now Gohara is going to start the year on the DL. I've got Tyler Anderson in the reserve round, so he'll uh, probably be in there for my opening day rotation. And then Claudio at $2. So the reserve rounds were pretty interesting because I had the fifth pick, and I figured Willie Calhoun and Scott Kingery would go one and two. But Calhoun went third to Zach Steinhorn. I got Kingery with the fifth pick. I was really pleasantly surprised by that. Uh, I got C.J. Crone. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Denard Spann. He's going to be my fifth outfielder. Uh, Franchi Cordero. I had to get you know one or two of my favorite end, end, uh, end game picks. So I got Franchi Cordero. And uh, as I mentioned before, Logan Forsyth and Tyler Anderson. So that's the squad. That's the squad. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking, like I said, more about this on Wednesday's show with Fred Zinke. Uh, probably on and off all week. But let me get to some of the... Uh, the bigger picture things here. Now in this mixed auction, Gary Sanchez was the top bid for a catcher at 30. Wilson Contreras though, not far behind to 28 Buster Posey. I went 22 on Buster Posey. He wound up uh, going just for 23 to, uh, to Jeff Zimmerman. So I probably could have stood to, you know, I'm uh, regretting that I didn't get a better catcher. Well, uh, you know, maybe I should have gone 24 on Posey. So it's sort of interesting that the, in this auction, there was a bit of distance between Contreras and Posey. Votto, Joey Votto was the top bid for first baseman, $49. Freddie Freeman, 41 Paul Goldschmidt at 40 So Votto, uh, the most expensive first baseman by quite a lot. At third base, you had uh, Nolan Arenado and Chris Bryant setting the pace, 44 and 40 respectively. But here, to me, was the interesting one. Josh Donaldson went for $34. $2 more than Jose Ramirez. $3 more than my man, Machado, who, again, I'm going to use as a shortstop when he becomes eligible. Uh, second base, no big surprises there, really. Jose Altuve at $49. D. Gordon at 34 
Brian Dozier, 28. So if there's anything notable there, it's maybe the $6 separating Gordon and Dozier, who I see is similarly valued. Uh, shortstop, pretty bunchy at the top, as you'd expect. Trey Turner, 41. Carlos Correa, 38. Then a bit of uh, separation there. Lindor, 31. Bregman, 30. Corey Seager, 23 bucks. But, uh, you know, he's had the elbow issue. He's not having a great spring. He's 5 for 32 with a homer. But still, to me, that was probably the steal of the auction. Corey Seager at $23. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman got Mike Trout at 56 He wrote a really nice piece for uh, Rotographs on why he was happy to get Trout for 56 uh, I'll just uh, leave it to you to check that piece out on Rotographs by Jeff Zimmerman. Uh, but uh, the thing I've been tracking all month long is the the rest of the first tier of outfielders. Betts went for 44, Harper 43, Blackman 41, Stanton 40. I got Aaron Judge at 39. And as I talked about on, I think it was last Wednesday's show, uh, for OBP, I prefer Judge to Blackman. So I was happy to get him at 39 with Blackman going at 41. Uh, Clayton Kershaw got the top bid for a starting pitcher, 42, followed closely, as you'd expect, by Scherzer at 40, sale at 40. I got Kluber at 39. And as I mentioned, Syndergaard, next most expensive pitcher at 35. And the relief market, I started it off with Jance at 25. Pretty surprising to me that Roberto Ozuna went for the same price as Craig Kimbrell, $22. Chapman went for 19 Cody Allen at 17 And then there's a whole bunch uh, clustered at 16 15 14 Again, pretty much what you'd expect. Now, the head-to-head league, which is a 12-team mixed league, a few interesting uh, bids there that I just wanted to share. So I talked about how Contreras was $5 more expensive than Posey in the mixed auction. In the head-to-head league, Posey went for 20 Contreras went for $11. Now, that just might be one of those funky things where he went late. Maybe I can find out what happened there. But, man, that's that's bargain city there, Wilson Contreras for $11. Uh, the uh, outfielders, Betts went 40 Stanton 37 Harper 37 Blackman 36 So you got the usual clustering there. But Aaron Judge, now I understand this is a head-to-head league. You get penalized for strikeouts, but you also get rewarded for walks. And, and Aaron Judge went to Jeff Mance for $27, $9 less than Charlie Blackman. So I'm not just saying this because I got Judge in the mixed auction, but I think that's a, a really great value there to Jeff Mance in a, uh, in a points league. And pitchers, very expensive. Sale, 55. Scherzer's 54. Kershaw, 52. Not the most expensive pitcher. Kluber, 51. And Justin Mason doubled up and got both Scherzer and Kershaw in uh, the head-to-head points league. And I should just actually just go back to the mixed auction for a second because Justin Mason was not alone in stocking up on more than one of the big four. Brett Sayer got both Scherzer and Sale at 40 bucks a piece. So uh, I think he spent not quite as much as I did on pitching, but when you're spending $80 on your first two, and uh, Brett also got $22, $22 Craig Kimbrell, uh, you're, you're pretty invested in pitching. Uh, let's go to the uh, NL only tout auction. Uh, second base, very interesting in the NL because 
Uh, there's a whole lot of scarcity there, especially now with D. Gordon and the AL. Daniel Murphy's not going to be ready for opening day. So there's a lot of parity there at the top. But I still admit I was surprised that the top bid at second base in the NL went to Ozzy Albies at $21. So I think that says something both about the expectations and hype around Albies, which may very well be warranted, and the relative weakness of the uh, of the pool there. And I would also just mention that uh, in the NL only, that also Kershaw there was not the top bid receiving pitcher. Max Scherzer got 40, Kershaw got 39. Now, I don't know that that's a difference that matters, but clearly there is some parity there amongst the big four. And I think the days of where Kershaw is just unquestioned, unquestionably the most valuable uh, and most expensive pitcher, I think that's that's pretty much behind us now. In the AL only league, catcher was interesting. Uh now, of course, Gary Sanchez went for a whole bunch. I want to say 30. I don't have that uh, noted down, but I can look that up uh, hopefully quickly enough. Yeah, 29. I was off by a dollar. But then after that, I just would have assumed Sal Perez would not only be the second most expensive catcher, but probably by a good margin. And man, was I wrong. This is interesting. The second most expensive catcher in the AL only auction. Mike Zunino, $15. Perez went for 14 Wilson Ramos went for 14 And Russell Martin went for 14 So, man, that is a lot of doubting on Sal Perez. And I understand it's OBP, which elevates Martin and knocks Perez down some. But that, that to me, is interesting, and, and I don't know that I have an explanation for it. And it really... Just goes to show the, uh, you know, folks are, have really bought into the 2017 version of Mike Zanino, and I, I just don't, and I've, I'm not going to belabor it because I've belabored it on previous episodes, but uh, that, that's a shocker to me. And then the other thing that, not quite as shocking, but was, was a bit surprising to me, was that Garrett Cole went for $26 in the AL only auction, and that was a dollar more than Justin Verlander, and three dollars more than Chris Archer. Now, I like Archer more than most, but I still thought the consensus was pretty much that Cole was a rug below Verlander and Archer, but uh, he got bit up to 26. People are on the Cole train, so uh, maybe something to think about if you uh, are getting excited about uh, adding Garrett Cole to your roster, that uh, you may, uh, may not be able to get him at uh, exactly a bargain price. So that's... Uh, little bit of an overview of all of the uh, Tout War auctions. And again, uh, I will uh, be going into a bit more detail on my team and how it turned out the way that it did. Uh, talking on Wednesday's show with Fred Zinke, I'll be writing a piece for uh, Fantrax that will be live on Thursday. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, if you're, you're drafting this weekend, like I am, I've got my last draft this weekend. Uh, hopefully uh, there'll be some good insights there that will uh, help you find the bargains on your draft day. So on that note, got to wrap up here. Thank you so much for tuning in. And by the way, if you, have, if you go to toutworks.com and look at the, the auction grids. If you have any questions, hit me up on, uh, on Twitter at almelkurbb. Be happy to take those questions uh, on shows this week. So that's it. 
Uh, Have a great, great day. And I'll be back here on Wednesday, same time, same station.